And uh, it, it becomes part of our culture if we don't discern it, if we don't witness and say, well, that's that what we're seeing in our lives is not of God. We need to actually get rid of it in the life of the church. And, and some, by getting rid of it, I mean we don't get rid of the people. <laughs> we, we, we disciple one another in those things, in our, in our lives. And say, hey, you know, those things that we see is just not godly. It's just not of God. And uh, we've got to, the Bible says, you know, we've got to judge those things in the life of the church. Now, we, we don't judge. The, you know, that word is, can be viewed as a, as a horrible word. But there is a judgment of not so much the person, but the things that people carry. And people need to recognize that's not of God. And that, Like even today, we did that. There was a judgment in the sense that the judgment wasn't you. It's, it's, it's things that are on you. <laughs> the judgment is discern it, like see it. Can you see it? The Spirit's saying this. Get rid of it. Give Jesus the reins. That's a judgment. That's, that's a judgment. That's a discernment. And that's how God works with us. And uh, Paul was addressing certain things in Corinth, uh, certain strongholds. And uh, the stronghold there in Corinth was this thing of Gnosticism. Now, I don't know if you know what Gnosticism is, but it's a stronghold of, of that thing of which they pursued knowledge. It was, it was like, it, it was opposing a lot of even the teachings of Paul. And, um, you know, that... that, that um, yeah, people were abandoning their orthodox teachings about Jesus. It was like almost like, yes, we believe in Jesus, but we also believe that we come into enlightenment if we do this with Jesus kind of thing. Jesus was an add-on. And Paul had to work with them and said, look, it's not about your knowledge. It's not about pursuing God through enlightenment from one degree to another by knowing me more and all of that. And Paul understood that, and he was wrestling with this. And uh, unfortunately, this, this teaching was coming into the church, and uh, it was attaching itself to people, and it became a lot of works involved. And with that, Paul had to address it because it was even causing, in a sense, disunity. Uh, you know, what the people were teaching, it's like, hey, but you, you don't know this, and you need to know this, and, or you don't know that. And so you had almost like an exclusive knowledge that some guys in the church had and others didn't, and, and it was causing division. And uh, Paul had to address this, and I, I love the way he says it. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10. I can give that one to you. It says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly join together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Do you just keep that scripture there for me, Lilani, please? It says that, Paul's calling to unity. Paul's calling to unity. And just what he says there, I find very interesting. He says that you all speak the same thing. Now, that thing of the same thing that he talks, to, talks about is actually a Greek word. And uh, it's called autos. And it's actually a pronoun. And why this is important, what he's saying is, I, I want you guys to all speak the same language, but it's it's something that's not just you. This word autos is not that you're looking through your lens. It's like, have you ever, have you ever watched a movie where you, 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 you've been the, the first person in the movie where, where it's a detective movie or something, and the characters are talking to the, to the camera, you know, and you basically interacting. It's like an interactive game or, or, or video. Have you ever watched those? No one. <laughs> so... 
So it's a first person, like you're the first person and the people are talking to you as if it's talking to you, but it's not. Um, so anyway, so Paul's saying this, is that we all speak the same thing. It's almost like the camera lens moves from just your, your lens to collectively as a people. It says that you all speak the same thing. It's almost like every, it's like you're in a third person. You can see everybody and they're all speaking the same thing. Now, this is very interesting because as Paul's bringing this pronoun to us, he, he's actually making a point. Um, so we, in a sense, are living in a time, I don't know if you've realized, that everything is through our own lens. We are living, I mean, think of the celebrities today. How many of you heard, this is my truth? <laughs> Have you ever heard that? It seems to be a very big thing now. I've heard a lot of celebrities say that. Uh, I think even Harry and Meghan, she's saying, I want to share my truth. Now, <laughs> when someone wants to share their truth, she's saying it's my perspective. And it's true because it's my perspective. It's through my lens. And uh, we, all, we all have lenses. We all have certain things that we perceive things because this is what we see. But Paul's saying, I don't want you to have your truth. <laughs> I don't want you to have your perspective. You see, truth isn't subjective. Truth is objective. If something's true, then it means something's not true. And so you, if you say, I have ownership of truth, it means you have dibs on truth, and you don't. No one has dibs on truth. No one has ownership of truth. Even us, even us who, who come together, we come collectively, but we, we look at the Word of God collectively. And you think of it, yes, the Bible is objective. Yes, the Bible, you know, is true. And I don't believe there's any inerrancies. I believe it's the authority of God that He's given us. But I can say this, we can interpret things wrongly. And so Paul's saying, I don't want you to be too hung up in your self-pursuit knowledge that, that I see creeping into the life of the church. And you think of it, the church in Corinth, hey, I mean, you think of it, we talk about thousands of years. What were the Greeks known for? pursuit of knowledge. And so I think that stronghold that Paul must have faced at that, you know, realizing, listen, these guys are just pursuing knowledge all the time. Now they're trying to bring this into the church. How do I deal with it? And I love the way he starts by just sharing this. He says that you speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly join together in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, as I was reading this, it really caught my eye just of what Paul was saying here. Uh, let me just get it quickly. He says that you have the same mind and the same judgment. Now, you'll notice something. Our minds have to be subject to Jesus. You see, I, I have a mind, you have a mind, we all have a mind. And we all can think that we are right. We can all have an opinion. And Paul's saying, look, what you first need to do is you have to have the same mind. It's not just you. It's us. You see where he's going with this. So even though we all have the Bible, we all have Scripture, we also have a lens that we see Scripture through. And so he's saying, I want you to have the same mind. And what is this mind that he's talking about? Well, Jesus talks about that. Um, well, sorry, not, we should all have the mind of Christ. And uh, one of the things, to have the mind of Christ means we, 
can't have our minds. <laughs> we can't have both. I'm, I'm so glad that Scripture's there, because if I had to depend on my mind, <laughs> well, you know, I, I wouldn't do much. And so I have to have the mind of Christ. And I love the way this is brought, because I think sometimes there's something of pride that I just want to have my way, my thoughts, my intellect contributing to this. Have you ever felt that? These guys have missed it. I just want to bring myself here. They don't know what they're talking about. And so, so it's like that thing of humbling yourself and saying, I'm not, I don't have to prove a point. I don't, I've got to have the mind of Christ. And what is the mind of Christ? Well, as we speak, I think it's in Romans, this is, uh, but we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And as we take the mind of Christ, there is something of humility. It said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, but he gave himself and he became a servant. And so as we, as we take that mind, servant mind, we automatically start to be unified. And that's what Paul's saying. I want you to have the mind of Christ. And so we've got to submit, uh, I think it's Romans 8, verse 7. That's the one I was, I was looking for. Let this mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. And so if we start taking things in the flesh, if we just want to be right, we're going to have the mind that's not of Christ. We're going to have the carnal mind, the, the mind that, that opposes not only God, but actually opposes each other. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to have that mind. That's a carnal mind. I want you to have the mind of Christ. And that's in Philippians 2, verses 5. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of servant. And I, I don't know, I just feel, sure, we, almost like we, we're in a season where, as we go through transition, uh, uh, one of the things I'm praying for is that we stay unified, that we stay in one mind. And then he says this, I also pray that you have, that you want in mind and judgment. Uh, have you thought of that word judgment is, um, is gnome? And uh, it's kind of a consent decision. Now, I want to be careful when I say that because we all come to judgments. We all make judgments. We all make decisions in our lives. And, uh, but this, this judgment, this conviction that we have, it's not as a conviction that's derived from an active relationship that we have with God and each other. And so we can have judgments, but our judgments cannot just be in ourselves. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? It's got to be a judgment that, yes, God's Word is objective. Yes, we got the Word of God, but it's, uh, uh, that, word is, uh, that, that judgment that we make is derived from our relationships with one another. You know, just to give you an illustration of this, because I feel... You know, one of the things that I've had to come to realize being in Josh Jen, I want to share a little bit about my testimony. When, when I came on to, to eldership through Josh Jen, I, I was in eldership long before, but there came a moment where I was even preaching, and uh, Monet, some of you know him, he's been here a few times, he actually said to me, he picked up something on me and um, when I preached in that. He said, you know, Benny, I, I just want to just tell you to correct something in you. When you preach, you often preach me, myself, I. You never preach we, us, them, you know, as Josh Jen. I thought, okay, you, you know, that's something. And I looked into it, and I thought what he was saying was true, is that 
is that sometimes I look from my own personal conviction that there, there can be in that, in my language, there can be an us and them with the eldership. And there was, because I, so that, to give you a little bit of my background, I didn't join Josh Jen. Josh Jen joined me. <laughs> I'm going to elaborate this. I don't want you to read wrong things in this. But I was on an eldership at the time. And in this eldership, uh, we, we were a little church called Livingstones. We were about, I think we shrunk from 100 to about 80 people. And uh, in that time, we realized the church was dying. It wasn't in a good place. And, uh, and because of that, we were, we, as an eldership, we were looking what we're doing wrong. We were trying to run harder and do better and just wasn't working because we weren't doing things correctly. And um, even the eldership couple, I love them, Dion and Kim, they were tired, they were burnt out. And, and, and you know, the, the church feels it. Financially, every aspect of it, you see things go wrong. And, uh, and so we called in the apostolic, and we had a good relationship with Andrew Selly at the time, who's the guy that leads Josh Jen. And uh, we said to him, look, we invite your apostolic input. Now, for those who don't know, we believe the apostles, the role that they play is to put instruction into the life of the church, see what we're doing wrong how to fix it, how to build better. And Andrew had to come in and break down walls that we had built and put in new walls and lay certain foundations in us, as not only as an eldership but as a church. And it was a kind of a vulnerable time for me. But um, I remember going, Laura and I going to Cape Town and uh, just looking at Josh Jane before that and thinking, oh, I don't know if I'd join this church. <laughs> I'm being very, oh, Laura's putting her head down. I'm going to elaborate. God changed my heart. But there was a moment where, uh, you know, just by preference, and I won't say by spiritual conviction, it was purely by preference. I thought, I don't know if I'd join this church. I, and you know what it was for me at that time? It was more of a city type of church. It had more of a city ways about them, and I, I didn't gel with that, you know. And it was more that. It was just a preference of a little meeting that I went to, and I judged everything on that. But the, the reason I'm telling you this is because it's almost like, I, so when we went through the transition of moving, because Andrew, we had the invited input, input that he gave, and Andrew suggested that we become part of Josh Jen, and so we, we welcomed that, and it said, okay, you know, we recognize you building right, and we not, so come and help us, you know, you can see the person by their fruit, and so we invited his input, and, um, and so Dion and Kim went to Cape Town, I stayed on the eldership at that time. And the reason I even stayed, and this just shows you God's grace on my life, was because I was concerned with the sheep. I thought, God, I'm not leaving these guys. They, I don't want to be the shepherd that bolts, you know, and, and, and leaves the sheep scattered, you know. So my heart was really, because I loved the guys. I loved the church. But I, I was also wrestling with this preference, you know. Well, I'll stay for their sake, Lord. And so we became Josh Jen in, in the process. And in that... I stayed, and then God began to reveal something of, his, of himself to me personally. And I grew, and I started realizing just that thing of building in isolation sometimes. And I think that's, that's the thing that I think I, I learned the most was that thing of autonomy. You know, it's me, myself, I. And as Monet had said this to me, uh, Benny, you need to start thinking differently. And I've got to admit, when I saw that, when I realized that, it took time. But it took a process of, of breaking down mindsets. Because 
you know, like I say, I didn't join Josh Jen in a sense. Josh Jen joined me. And the eldership were in Cape Town, and it was always like them and us, them and us. And until I started changing my language, I started realizing, no, it's, it's us. They, are, they have the same heart, the same mind. But when I changed my language, I started to realize, God, the way I, I, I read Scripture, it's for us. The way I, I interpret things, it's for us. It's not Benny's perspective. And, uh, and so I had to kind of view out like that lens that Paul's explaining here. It's like you've got to look at it collectively because in that you come to the knowledge of the truth. And, uh, and it's kind of, let's, let's be honest. I mean, we've all, in a sense, had to do this. When you were, think of it, when you were a bachelor, hey, Stephen, you were living for yourself. You got married. You had to give up certain things. I know for me it was playing computer games all night. Now I've got a married, I'm, I've got a wife that wants my time as well. And so... In that, it's us. Yeah, as well. She was an add-on. <laughs> so it was us. And even then, you know, Lauren and I were married for a while, and then we had kids. And it changed again. And so it wasn't just Lauren and myself. Now it's the kids. And so there's more inclusiveness. And then it didn't stop there. It wasn't just Lauren, myself, the kids. Then it's the church. And then there's bigger inclusiveness. But this was important because you start realizing in all of those moments of growth, that you start growing more in the Lord as well. It's not just about, you know, we can't live in this tiny little understanding of what God has for us, just me, myself, and I, or, or even me, myself, and my family. We can be small in our thinking even for that. But God's got big things for us, guys. It's not, it's not in ourselves as individuals, but, you know, it's, it's the knowledge of God is made known to principalities and powers, but it's through us, the church, it's made known. Not individuals. You know, when the enemy looks at you, he just looks at a body part. Have you ever seen an arm on the floor? It doesn't, doesn't carry anything, but when you see a body, it's got effect. It's got movement. It's going somewhere. It's doing something. And we, the church, are collectively the body of Christ. And He, Jesus, is the head. And uh, there's something of humility in this that we all have to come to. And the reason I'm saying this tonight, I, I kind of lost my point. I'm kind of taking parts of my, my, my sermon here tonight. But the reason I'm sharing this is like I felt at the moment that I didn't join Josh Jane, Josh Jane joined me. And, and, but yet God had grace and he grew me in that. And he started making me realize this is the body that I want to be part of. But some of you tonight might be here as a PM person, and you might have thought, well, I didn't choose to be AM, PM. It just kind of by default went that way. I want to encourage you to kind of make a decision in your heart and settle it. And say, well, you know, God's going to grow me because he's given me new people to be relating to. And it's not about you. It's not about your friends and the people that you make friends with that have gone now to the AM. It's like, what has God got for me now in this season? And yes, it is a humbling thing. It's, 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 it's horrible when you tear away from relationships. It's hard. But God's got something for us here as a PM congregation. And so we've got to lay that thing down in order that Jesus is glorified in this. And uh, I was just reminded of 1 Corinthians 1.26. And I want to go there because really Paul, Paul's hammering this to the, to the church in Corinth about, you know, being humble. And he says this, For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. Uh, And the things which are not to bring nothing to the things that are. You see, God takes what isn't and he makes it as if it, it is. It's like he takes completely the opposite of the, what, what the world would bring. So what the world would say is strong. What the world would say is right. God says, I'm not going to use that. Isn't that amazing how God works? He uses us. And, and that's what Paul's saying. Consider your, consider your calling. Consider what you were before you were born again. None of us here are amazing people in ourselves. No matter what the evangelist t- teacher might tell you, you know, you're this wonderful, great person. Paul's saying you, you weren't anything really. It's because of Christ purchased you, you became something. He put value in you. He didn't, think of it, if Christ died for you because you're valuable, then God had something to gain out of this. Let me tell you, God's love is perfect, it's pure. God had nothing to gain. His love was selfless. And He died for you, and because He died for you and purchased you with His blood, it gave value to who you are today. And, uh, and so we've got to look at it from that perspective. And, and that's more of a humbling way to, as, we, as we see what God has for us. And I, I'm just reminded, and I want to encourage you, I want to end in this scripture. It goes to Acts 4, verses 13. And this is uh, Peter and John when they were witnessing for the first time in the temple. And I love this scripture because, you know, it kind of shows how God uses us. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know, just keep that scripture. Part of the testimony, if you look at that scripture, first of all, people quickly see uh, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and that was their testimony. That wasn't their testimony. Their testimony was, yes, they had boldness, but they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained people. It was like, because, it's like, who are these guys all of a sudden doing something? Who are these guys? They're uneducated. They're fishermen, man. What can they do? And it's because of that, that the testimony of who are these guys in the temple declaring this to us. And uh, I want to say that it's in that, that as we trust in the Holy Spirit, that we have that kind of boldness. And we don't look at our past as if this is what makes us who we are. We all come from backgrounds. None of us are perfect. But you know what? We call to something far greater than ourselves, and that is the church. And so I want to encourage you guys, even this, this evening, that uh, as, we, as, we come, as we go together as a, as a church, as one body, that we will declare the praises of who He is. But we declare it by our oneness, our oneness of mind, but our oneness of judgment in the sense of how we do church. We've got to have a conviction that this is where God's called us to, and this is how He's going to do it. But don't view it from your perspective alone, through your lens alone, but that you look at it as a whole. Like I've had to do it. You know, as an elder, I've had to step back at a lens that was just me and see, no, it's us. And by just changing your language, can I tell you, you'll change your perspective. Amen. Cool. I know it's short tonight in preach, but I'd rather have a little bit more ministry when it's needed. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, some of you even struggling still, come talk to us. Come talk to the eldership. 
things you're struggling with, this process of AM, PM, can be a, it can be a struggle for some people. Um, and, but don't do it alone. Help us help you process this thing right. And I'm not going to hold you to AM or a PM, because we said we're going to have grace for this, for people to make these decisions. But in that grace, let us help you process that decision. And then when you make that decision, you stick to it, and you've got the conviction, this is where God's called me. Amen. Now, let me pray for that, and, and yeah, we can have another cup of coffee, I think. <laughs> Our Lord, we thank you just for what you're doing, Jesus. I want to pray tonight, Lord, as we just humble ourselves before you, Jesus, that uh, we would have the mind of Christ, that we'd not view things from our own perspective and our own mind, but that we'd look at it from your perspective, your body, Jesus And you've called us to be one. And in fact, Jesus, when you prayed to the Father on our behalf, you you said to him, I pray, Lord, that not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in it, but that you sanctify them. You set them apart from the world. And Lord, that he he prayed that that we would be one as you and our Father are one. And Lord, I want to pray even that tonight as us called to be your disciples, Jesus, that we would be one. That we would not just be one congregation, but that we'd be one in heart, one in mind, one in spirit, Lord, that collectively we represent the church, undivided, the church in its pure and spotless clothes, Lord, that that we'd have the righteous robes given to us by Jesus as we just keep ourselves before you, as we keep ourselves humble, that as we bring every thought captive, Lord, everything that wants to rise now and then up against the knowledge of God, that we'd submit that. Even as your scripture says, submit one to another. I pray that we would do that, Lord. That you would be glorified in all of this. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.